Yeah, this um, when we when we gather in this place together and and we turn back to God, our 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 goal, our our pursuit is to receive His grace and His love, to lean into that, and and then to be transformed by that. Does that make sense? Like like we want not just to to sing some songs and open up God's word as if it's some sort of of, of cold ritual that we walk through, but rather we want to lean into that to experience it more and more so that we might be changed and transformed to be different kinds of people. And here's what we believe at this church. We believe that, um, we, we believe that, that Jesus gives us a perfect picture of what it means to be truly human, that, that we've all, like, missed the mark. We've, we've all kind of wandered off track, and Jesus gives us that perfect picture of what it means to be human again, and we want to be transformed. We want to be remade to be like Christ, uh, because that is the picture of what it means to walk with God, and so I'm so, I'm so glad that you're here. We're, we're in the second week of this, of this series, and, and just to give you a quick recap of, of what we talked about last week and, and the overview for the series is this idea that sometimes the, the closest relationships that we have are the messiest, and you're allowed to say amen, right? Um, don't nudge anybody because that makes them uncomfortable and might start a fight later, but, but sometimes the closest relationships in our lives, the people that we spend the most amount of time with, those relationships get the messiest. They really do, and, and when we're honest uh, I think all of us from time to time step back from those relationships and we, we, we are frustrated because we don't want that to be the case, do we? we? We don't want those relationships to be as messy as they are, uh, but the realities of life and, and the realities of the baggage that we carry, um, they, those things cause the messes in our lives. We cause the messes in our lives, um, it, and it's important that we own that. And uh, we hope to do that in this series. What we, what we decided to do is, I think all of us, at the heart of our lives, at, at the heart of who we are, we want God's blessing in our life. Wouldn't you say that, that you want God's blessing in your life? Yeah, we all want God's blessing. And so we're taking these statements that Jesus made. Uh, they're called the Beatitudes. They're in Matthew chapter 5. And we're looking through the filter of these statements when he said things like, blessed are those who... And then he, he, he kind of fills in the blank. Last week, we said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, or, 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 or blessed are those who recognize their need for God. And, and the thought there is empty. Blessed are those who are empty. Blessed are those who have come to the end of their rope. And you wouldn't normally think of uh, those people as being blessed, right? The people who are at the end of the rope, you're, you're thinking they need God's blessing, but Jesus makes this bold declaration and he turns the tables and he says, when you finally realize that you don't have what you need, like then you're blessed. You're stepping into God's kingdom. You're stepping into the kingdom of heaven when that moment hits. Um, I, I imagine Jesus saying hashtag blessed, right? Because that's what we say in today's world, like hashtag blessed. And uh, many times we're not sure what that really means. So this is our working definition of, of what it means to be blessed. It's this God-given joy, peace, and fulfillment, regardless of the circumstances in life. It, it's, it's this God-given um, sense of joy and, and peace, fulfillment, no matter what we're facing in life. And if this is the definition of, of blessing, God's blessing, don't, don't you want some of that in your life? Don't, don't you want some of this like peace and joy and, and this, fill, this, this 
this feeling of being fulfilled regardless of what happens out here, like all this stuff that we can't control, wouldn't it be great to just have this sense of peace, like that everything is going to be okay? Even when I'm at the end of my rope, even when I have nothing left, even when I have to say goodbye to somebody I'd never thought I'd have to say, even in those moments, I'm, I can be blessed by God. I can receive His joy and His peace. Well, this is the track we're going on. And um, we're going to look at another one this week. As I was thinking this week, you know, I, I, I like music. Like that song that they just sang, this So Will I. It's a, some of you are probably looking on your iPhones right now to find it because it's such a beautiful song. It's a Hillsong tune. Um, it's just this beautiful. I was thinking about music this week, and I was thinking about um, the concept of, of, of blessing. And I was like, I wonder what kind of songs in the past have this concept of blessing. And so uh, little, let's have a little fun can you name that tune? And I'm not going to play it for you, but here's, here's a lyric of, of one of the, the, the tunes um, from, from years ago. Blessed are the sat upon, the spat upon, the ratted on. Can anybody name that tune? This one's kind of a hidden one. Anyone in the room? Oh, I think I heard it. Simon and Garfunkel. Did someone say Simon and Garfunkel? This is a Simon and Garfunkel tune. And if you go back and you like read the lyrics of this song, like this is almost the declaration of Jesus. It's, it's like a picture of what Jesus is saying. Yeah, blessed are the sat upon, the spat upon, the ratted on, whatever that means, like they were told on. Or, um, like blessed are those people. And, and, and I think they're ca- catching a, a little bit of the essence of what, what, what Jesus uh, was saying. This, this next lyric is one that I, I thought of when I thought of this week's in particular, and, and I think you can probably name the, the, uh, the, the, the group, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. Anybody remember this tune? The Rolling Stones, yes, some of you are like, I think I remember that. Um, one of the top ten songs in history, Billboard says, and Rolling Stones says, yeah, they, they say that about themselves, like this is the best song in history because we wrote it. Um, but this idea of I can't get no satisfaction, and some of us have like ideas of what that meant and what the lyric means, but if you go th- through and, and read the lyrics, what you find is, is they were like engaging in American culture really for the first time and coming to find out that, that they found themselves empty time and time again. There were these promises of our culture that weren't being fulfilled, and they were saying I can't get no satisfaction, and some of us think they were just talking about um, some sort of physical or sexual thing, but it, it's much bigger than that for them. Uh, they, they were trying to find fulfillment. And so Jesus says, hashtag blessed are those. And then he goes into, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So this is the one we're going to talk about today. And what I want to do is I want to begin in a very personal way with you. So I want you to think, not, not in, your, in, your, in the context of your home at large, but I want to think about, uh, I want to challenge you to think about just your personal life, and I think what we'll com- come to find is that when we start with this narrow focus of ourselves, uh, sounds kind of selfish to start out with, but then we begin to broaden that, we'll see that, that how we approach this concept affects every close relationship in our life, every single one, whether it's dating, whether it's marriage or parenting. Um, work. I mean, all of our relationships are, are impacted by, by this concept that I want us to, to walk through today. So let's say this together. Let's say this beatitude together. Are you ready? Are you awake with me? Can we do this? You don't have to say the hashtag part, but let's just do the blessed part. You ready? Here we go. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, 
for they will get satisfaction. What's interesting about that song lyric to me is it's a double negative, and so it actually means the opposite of what I think they were trying to say. You'll get that later. You go back and um, some of you English majors are like, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, so here, I'm going to break this down. I want to I break this down and, and work through it um, really through di- different sections, and I want to begin with this, hunger and thirst, the concept of, of hunger and thirst. And I, and I think we all get this, living in the desert, especially the thirst part, right? Have you ever been hiking and uh, outside in the middle of summer? And some of, some of those of you who are, are winter visitors who are just getting back, we curse you when you're gone. No, no, we, we want your life. We want your life. And um, when, we, when we're hiking in the desert and, and there's this thirst, like for, for something to drink because the, the desert seems to just dry us up. This, this concept of hunger and thirst, I think we all understand it on some level. And, and really, scientifically, uh, hunger and thirst, there's a chemical thing that takes place in our bodies that lets our minds know that there's something that we're looking for. But what's interesting is there are other circumstances in life that release uh, similar or sometimes the same chemical in our body that makes us think we're hungry when we're not. Um, One of the thoughts is that when we're lonely, have you ever eaten when you were lonely? Have you ever found yourself like thinking, I need my friend Ben and and his friend Jerry when when I'm lonely, when I'm all alone, I, I need them. Um, in, in my life because there's certain things that happen chemically to us, scientifically chemi- chemically to us when we're lonely or when we're sad. Uh, chemically, scientifically, medically, it, it, that we're told these, these, these chemicals are released and we find ourselves eating. We think we're hungry and we're not really hungry. There's something else deep within us, but, but we all have this, this concept of, of hunger and thirst. Now, Obviously, Jesus isn't talking about food and drink here. He's talking about something much more significant. And so I want to ask you a personal question. What do you hunger and thirst for in life? What do you hunger and thirst for in life? Now, I told you I wanted to start with this narrow focus, but, but I want you, it, I know it's difficult to answer this question, and I know it's kind of personal and like, it might get at you a little bit, but what do you hunger and thirst for in life? If you, if you look back over the last few weeks of your life and you said, somebody, if somebody was standing above and, and watching your life play out, how would they answer that question for you? Matt hungers and thirsts after this because it's what he thinks about. It's how he spends his money. It's how he spends his time. He's He's constantly surrounding, like that would be what he hungers and thirsts for because his life represents the pursuit of those things. Does that make sense? So what, what do you hunger and thirst for? I, I, I did some, some research and, and tried to think, and, and I wanted to put in words some of the common ones that we hunger and thirst for, some of the things in our culture, what, what's directly around us that I think, and, and you could guess some of these, but maybe one of these would be your answer. Here's, here's one. I think many of us hunger and thirst for possessions in our lives. And um, let, me, let me be the first to admit this in my life, that, that there have been times, and there are still times, that I want the latest iPhone the day that it comes out. Anybody else? Do I have any friends in the house that you want? Not many of us, okay, but there's some of us. I know you guys are like, that's weak. But, um, uh, 
that, like there's certain things, and, and, it's, and it's as if when we think about those things or when we see those things, it's, it's as if we're saying, if only I had that, then I would be filled. See the, the same language that, that Jesus mentions. If only I possessed whatever that is, whatever it is for me, that, that possession. And, and you know what we always find out is that when we, is that when we have that item, it always leaves us wanting. It's like it's not filling in the way that we thought it would be. You know what I mean? I was, uh, I was talking to a, a professional golfer one time a few years ago after the first time he won a tournament, and I, was, I wanted to know what it felt like, um, partly because I wanted to, you know, some, in some ways, like, live through his experience. You know, I, I'll never be in those shoes, and it seems awesome. So I asked him, I said, so what was it like, like, when you, you walked off the 18th green and you've worked your whole life for this and, and you've won a professional golf tournament. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, the sponsorships, all of that ahead of you. And, and like, what were you thinking? And he said, you know what's interesting? I mean, great feeling. Obviously, you work your life for this. Great feeling. But he said, I was standing there and they were taking pictures of, of, of me receiving this big check and, and the cup. And he said, I noticed behind the people who were interviewing me, I noticed that they were taking the stands down. And I said, taking the stands down? He said, oh yeah, they were, like the PGA was coming to move on to the next tournament. And I realized how fleeting it is. Like I've worked my whole life for this and I realized that, that there's this, yeah, this good euphoric feeling, but then, then, then there's also the, but what's next? You know, so there's this possessions. Okay, the next, the next thing that many of us hunger after is pleasure. And there's some science in this as well. I mean, for those who, are, who, who get caught up in, in things like pornography, which I know is very common in our culture, there are these, these neurological pathways that are created when we see certain things, and these pathways are, are, are created and, and things are released in us that, that we think are giving us pleasure. And so we find ourselves hungering for that, that feeling once again, and, and we return again and again to those things. And, and we might say, that's what we hunger for. That's what we thirst for. Possessions and pleasure. I, I, choose, I, I chose these P words. I don't know why. I thought maybe they'd be memorable for us. But possessions and pleasure, some of us pleasure. And then the next one is power. Some of us hunger and thirst for control and power. And we think if, if we could be there, if I only had that position, if I could only control my kids in this way, then I would be filled. I, I, I would be fulfilled in life. It's the language that Jesus uses, possessions and pleasure and power. And then I think this one is, is huge for us is praise. You know, like, all right, how many of the little hearts am I going to get? You, you, can, you like, can you like my photo? If I take a photo right now, will you like it? Because it feels good to get praise. Like it's a good thing. And, 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 and some, sometimes we get caught up in this, like I need people to praise me. And so I'm going to put out the best version of myself here for the world to see. And I'm going to receive things. And I get, I get filled by that. Or I think I do. What is it for you? What... what What's the pursuit of your life, the, the hunger and the thirst for you? Is it one of these? And maybe it's something completely different. Is it possessions? Is it pleasure? Is it, is it the power? 
or the praise from others. Now, all of these things um, are hungers from time to time. Uh, what do we do? Here's a good question. What do we do when we realize we're hungering and thirsting for the wrong things? Isn't that a good question to ask ourselves? Like if we realize, man, I, am, I continue to pursue things that aren't filling me up, like eventually it's like, I don't want to just repeat the same process again and again. I just don't want to run after the same things if they're not going to give me anything. So what do I do when I realize we're hungry and thirsting for the wrong things? Now, I grew up in Alabama. And um, so for me, uh, my drink of choice was Coke. And just so you know, everything's Coke. You know, it might say Pepsi on the can, but it's Coke. And then there's 7-Up and it's Coke. And root beer is Coke. It's all Coke. Um, but Coke is like, that, that was kind of, the, as a kid, like I wanted Cokes. And I would ask my parents from time to time, when we'd go out to eat and they would say, you have, you have $4 you can spend today. And back then, that was enough to get food. Now, you guys are like, that's French fries. But back then, they, they took care of me. And, and we would always ask, my brother and I, does that include the drink? You know, like, I want a Coke. And years, you know, pass and it becomes a habit. You just drink Cokes. And, and eventually, um, I, I found myself not feeling great. And so I decided to maybe cut some things out of my life that didn't feel good and, and, and just to, to try some things. So I took Coke out of my life. And I took it out for like a few months. And after a few months, um, I found myself not craving it as much, you know, it wasn't like a thirst for me, but then I saw somebody else, one of my kids, and they had some root beer, and I thought, oh, that looks good, and I grabbed it, and I drank it, and you know what I realized? That it wasn't as good as I remember it being. Have you ever been there? Like, it's just not as good as you remember it being, and now every time I take a sip of Coke, I, I have hiccups, which is weird. It's like this something that happens in my body, but um, I realized this, that I know that's a silly example, but I realized this, that when we change our habits or our patterns, or our routines, what we hunger after and thirst after begins to transition. When we change the habits that we have, when we change the routines that are a part of our lives, that maybe then we would find that we would hunger and thirst after things that we should be hungering and thirst after. Does that make sense? I mean, it's true for food, but I think it's also true in a spiritual, in a moral, and in a relational way. Those things begin to change. Uh, in the Old Testament, David wrote these words, uh, O God, you are my God, and I earnestly search for you. So this was like his hunger and his, his thirst. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and this weary land where there is no water. Can you see the picture that he's painting? Like, God, you are my God, and I, search, I earnestly search for you. Like, that was the pursuit of his life. And if you read through the Psalms, you'll find that to be true in the highs and the lows of his life. And I just began to play this out and think about, like, what are some of the things that I might say or we might say in today's culture? And I came up with these. Um, oh, car, you are my Savior. My soul thirsts for this Rolls Royce. Now, isn't that silly? Isn't that a silly thought, like, that we would, we would say this, that, oh, car, you are my Savior. If only I had the Rolls Royce, not the Bentley. It's old. I want the Rolls. Or, or maybe this is one. Here, um, oh, 401k, you are my Savior. Oh, 401k. My, my soul thirsts for this money. I mean, it's just silly when, when you begin to put it into that framework. Um, maybe 
for others among us, it's, it's this. Oh, Instagram, you are my Savior. My soul thirsts for these likes. Please heart my picture. Please like my, my post. Isn't that, isn't that just silly? Like this, this concept of like, this is what I'm longing for. It's what I need. And if only then I would be filled. Now, I know these are kind of silly and maybe they're way out there for us, but what is it for you? What do you hunger and thirst for in your life? And is it bringing about any fulfillment in you? And Jesus says, this, this beautiful beatitude, blessed are those, like joy and peace, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For when you, when you hunger, when you pursue righteousness, then, then you'll be filled. Then you'll find joy and peace. Now, the concept of righteousness um, is an interesting one. And I think our, our culture and even the church at large goes through different waves and, and maybe swings on the pendulum a couple different directions. I think for some, um, maybe you grew up in a church where righteousness meant like laws, like do this and don't do this. You know, and if you want to be righteous, these are the things. So you're my legalistic side today. Legalism, like that's righteousness. And then sometimes we swing on the far other side, like freedom and license. Like there's legalism and there's license. And just God loves me, so it doesn't matter what I do, right? And we think that's what righteousness is. And I think this is so true. I've heard this in a few different places, that rules or freedom, so Legalism or license without a relationship with God will lead to rebellion. Rules without a relationship will lead to rebellion. Now listen, now this is where, for those of you who are parents and grandparents, I mean, I think this is where it comes down to some parenting things in our lives, that heavy-handed rules or complete freedom without any kind of relationship with our kids will lead to rebellion. Are rules important? Absolutely. Absolutely. Guardrails are super important with our kids. Um, is, is a runway that leads our kids to whatever they want to do without any kind of relationship with them, is that a good thing? No. No, there, there's, there's this relational aspect that is so very important to parenting and marriage and dating. Um, just rules, just doing the right thing or just trusting that God loves me and, I, and His grace is going to cover me and it doesn't matter what I do. Those things lead us to dangerous, dangerous places, both sides of the spectrum. Righteousness is something far deeper than, than just legalism or license. Um, in the Old Testament, it's probably the best picture of, of righteousness that we find in Scripture. The Lord has told you what is good, and this is what God requires of us. Here it is. You, you've, you've probably seen this before. This is Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He says, act justly, which means just do what's right. Do the right thing, the next right thing for you. Just do that. Love mercy and walk humbly with your God. Um, do the right thing. So, so in the context of what Jesus is saying in righteousness, what, what would that look like? So Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger after the right things, doing what's right, the next right thing. Blessed are those who, who love mercy, which means we give forgiveness and grace to those around us. Blessed are those who, who walk humbly with God, who, who it's, not all about, it's not all about them, but they walk humbly with God. They, they, they humble themselves before God. 
um, the right thing with mercy and humility leads us to righteousness. The right thing, you know, again, this is all in the context of Jesus, the, the right thing, pursuing the right things with mercy, with, with mercy and humility leads us to, to Jesus and righteousness. Um, I want to um, give us just a little challenge and then maybe two steps we could take because I want to get this to a practical place for our, for our, for our lives, for our homes. I want to get it to a, a very practical place. Now, when I ask the question, what do you hunger after? What do I hunger after? I realize that's a, that's a question that may be tough to answer just like on the fly. And some of us need a little bit of help in doing that. Like we need some time to process and to think through, what do I, what do I really hunger after? And so I, I want to give you, some of you, maybe not all of you would do this, but some of you, I want to give you a hunger challenge this week. And let me walk through what this looks like. In the Bible, there's this concept of fasting, and it's used in a, many, a, a number of different ways. And I thought maybe this would be a helpful way to, to implement a spiritual discipline or a spiritual process to help us understand what we hunger for. So fasting is all about not, uh, like not partaking in something, and specifically food. Most of the time in the Bible, it's talking about food. And some of you are like, I am out on this challenge already, right? You're like, out. Um, but, but stay with me just for a second. Let's walk through this just for a second. The concept is you would pick one day this week to fast morning through late afternoon. So I'm going to even let you off for dinner. I mean, you're going to get to dinner and you'll be starving. So that's a good thing, right? You get dinner out of it. So did I pull some of you back? Maybe you don't want to do dinner, whatever you want to do here. But, but pick one day morning through late afternoon, fast from fruit, food throughout late afternoon. So from the morning, don't eat anything. Now, if you're like me, you're thinking, do shakes count? Like, if I drink a shake, does that count as food? Yes. Like, just water. Like, just, just drink some water. And, and I know you, you're, you're thinking, I'm going to be so hungry. That's the point, <laughs> to, to, to get hungry. Because hunger will drive us, I think, to, to a place where we begin to understand something deeper. Um, at the end of the afternoon, before you eat dinner, just one day, go for a 30-minute walk. And on your walk, um, or, or go to a quiet place where no one else is around, I think a walk's a good thing because it helps us process, but, but think and ask God, God, what am I hungering for in life? Like as you feel the hunger pains in you, ask the question, God, what, like deeper, God, what am I hungering for in life? What would my life represent that I'm hungering for? What's, what's, my, what's my pursuit in life? I think this would be a great challenge. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I, I, I would challenge some of you to take, to take a day and try to focus on what am I hungering at? What, what am I looking, where am I looking for fulfillment in life? What do I hunger after, thirst after? And then, so some of you will do that. Here's maybe two steps on a practical level of how could we as a family, how could we as a couple in our dating relationship, for those of you who are single and dating, how, how could we hunger and thirst after righteousness in the context of our relationships? Now, the personal affects everything that happens in the house. Would you agree with that, right? If I'm hungering and thirsting after certain things, it's going to affect those around me. But how do we do that as a family? So two, two steps. Number one, make prayer and God talk common in your household. 
and in your relationship. Just make it common. And some of you are like, well, how can you do that? It's going to be weird. Well, it's going to be weird for a while, but then it will become common. Eventually, it will become just the common language in God talk. Um, what, where do I start with this? Like, what's my first step? Um, at mealtime, as you sit around the table, uh, make a note that what is on your table is because of God's provision, and simply thank Him for that. Like, around your table, before you go to bed at night, maybe with your spouse or with your kids, sit down and simply say, God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for what you've provided to us. Continue to lead us into your future as we hunger and thirst for you. Simple prayers, but it changes the perspective and the talk that happens in the home. Um, what if instead of saying, man, Arizona has the best sunsets in the world this time of year, it's unbelievable. What if you said something like this? What if you said, wow, the beauty that God created in Arizona this time of year. Isn't it amazing what God did with that sunset? It just, it, it begins to change the perspective and it makes God talk, the, the, the conversation around God, just a little bit more common in our houses. And then the second, and, and I, I get it, you're like, Matt, you're a pastor, you're going to say this, but make church a priority. Like decide for your family that, for your relationship, that, that, that Sunday mornings are going to be a priority for us. Why? Because it gets us into a space where we think about who God is. We think about His grace. We think about His love. We think about His mercy. And it gives us pursuits in life. It gives us things to hunger and thirst after in the context of a, of a community, which is a good thing. And listen, listen and I mean this. If, if McDowell isn't that church for you, it's not, McDowell's not for everybody, but it's why God has all these local churches around here. There's great churches around here. Make any of these churches, one of the churches where you really feel like this is home, make it, your, make it, make it a priority in your life. Make it something that you, you do every single week for the good of your soul. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. We can do better than that. Who hunger and thirst after Righteousness, yeah, for they will be filled. They'll be satisfied. They'll find joy and peace no matter what life throws at them. Don't you want that? Don't you want that kind of blessing? I do. I want that for my kids, my wife. I want that for my heart, my soul. Um, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to sing a song to close, and we just want to give you some space to think and pray. Uh, there's the cross up here if you want to write a note, um, anything that you're thinking about. Maybe it's, maybe it's what you're hungering after and you want to like write it down as, as a way to turn that over to God. You can do that. There's candles in the back of the room. Light represents God's presence. So maybe you just want to slip back to a candle and ask God's presence to be with you this week. Um, we just want to give you freedom to worship and to think, to process in the next few moments before we we dismiss. Father God, you are good, and um, in this space, we, as we turn back to you, and as we, as we look through the filter of, of the things that Jesus taught, that he said, the way that he lived, I pray that we would be impacted and transformed. God, all of us are hungering and thirsting after something. Reveal that to us. What is it? Reveal that to us. 
And may all of us discover that deep within us, there, there's nothing in this world that can satisfy, that can fill us like your goodness, like your love, like your grace. Um, as, as we're still praying and in this, this, this thoughtful moment, how many of you in this room and um, how many of you would say, I, I want, I need help hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Our family needs that. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up so I can see you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so many of us would say that. Yeah. God, um, you see every heart and every mind, and God, I pray your spirit would just guide and direct and, and, and do um, something within us that you would continue to stir and lead and guide us in that. God, ultimately, I, I, I pray that we would find at the core, I, I pray that we would find Jesus. For there is only life in him. God, thanks for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name.